1: be reading from Luke 10 1 to 20 if you wanted to follow along. It says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 uh, 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town, we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Sharizen, woe to you Bethsaida. For the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon. They would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will be lifted to the heavens. Will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects me, um, but whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me the 72 returned with joy and said lord even the demons submit to us in your name he replied i saw satan fall like lightning from heaven i have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all power all the power of the enemy nothing will harm you however do not rejoice that the spirit submits to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven
0: Now, I want to tell you a little story from church history. So Saint Martin of Tours, he was a wealthy soldier, he was a soldier in the Roman Empire and one day he entered through the city gates of Gaul, which is in modern day France, and there Martin saw this beggar sitting at the gate and Martin's heart was stirred, so he took his robe and he cut it in half. And he gave that half to the beggar. Now, in Latin, the word robe is kappa. And the kappa became, um, I guess, the root word of where we get chaplain. A chaplain is someone who cares, someone who shows love, the love of Jesus. And St. Martin is, I guess, in many ways, the patron saint of chaplains. Now, when you watch that video, we, you may be thinking, well, I'm not a sports chaplain. In fact, I can see two of our sports chaplains sitting right here. But who here plays sport? Stand up. There we go. Who is a parent or a grandparent of someone who goes to sport? Stand up. Oh, look at that. So... In many ways, you can sit down. Thank you. So in many ways, you say, actually, this idea of sports chaplaincy isn't that freaky. Now, here's a question for you. How hard is it to metaphorically cut the robe in half and give it to someone? Does that require someone who is super spiritual? No, it doesn't at all. And while today is we focusing on sports chaplaincy, and clearly we're in a sports centre right now, so sports chaplaincy is a big part of who we are as a a centre. But I want to encourage all of you to be like St Martin, to get the robe and cut it in half, to be present with people. It isn't overly difficult. And in that course that we've been promoting, present people, it is designed that way for those of you in your workplace or those of you who are retired, or those of you, in whatever circumstances you are in, go. Hey, I know the whole bunch of non-Christians. How do I direct a conversation and make it spiritual? How do you do that? And that's it's the heart of Sports Sunday. Um, Ray, when in the video, said a number of the girls that she interacts with, I don't get set foot in church. Uh, I've thrown this sort of scenario out before. Let's think about it: if a Muslim or a Hindu invited you to mosque or temple, how would you feel about that? Probably feel a little bit uncomfortable. That's how many Australians feel about church. So, in many ways, being present with people, we are the front line of showing the love of Jesus. The, the passage that M read out for us from Luke chapter 10. It is about this call on people's life to go out. And while the the mission of the 72, it's very intense, Jesus tells them. uh, He's like, hey, when you go out, you're going to be sent out like lambs among wolves. Really intense language. Don't take a purse or bag or sandals. Don't greet anyone on the road. Jesus saying the intensity that the 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 there's a time frame on this. Time is running out. You can't waste time. You need to get out there. in In the ancient world, to greet someone, it was this elaborate process. It took lots and lots of time. So saying, don't waste time. Get out there. Hey, don't bring extra money or sandals or purse. Just trust me and I will provide. Now, our life circumstances have changed. Suddenly, we don't live in a society where we can just walk along rural country roads and greet people. It's very different now. But the concept is the same. Be present. Go out and share the kingdom with those around you, uh, When I was at Bible college, I studied because Rachel and I thought we're going to be missionaries. So I took the missionary stream of things. So I did a whole bunch of mission subjects. And there's all this theory out there of how to contextualize the gospel for different people groups and religious groups, different church planning strategies out there, all, all these different techniques. What I love about Luke chapter 10, you know what Jesus' strategy is? Hey, when you go to a town and you're welcomed... Eat what is offered. There it is. Just go in there, pray, see who you find, and just eat with them. Now, sure, we're not a rural society anymore, but how many of us still eat with people? Oh, gosh, only half of you eat. Wow, you must be like some sort of freaks out there not to eat. on, I should see every hand up. We all eat, don't we? It's so simple in many ways. Just spending time with people, being present with people, is part of it. Yeah, sure, there's this element that the going out there, you're going to be sent out as lambs amongst wolves. But you know what's really interesting? The Israelites often saw themselves. That's how the the Jews, like, say, you got Old Testament, New Testament. In between that period, the Jews writing in that time, they saw themselves as just lambs. And all the nations around them are like wolves. So Jesus tapping into that imagery. But what protects lambs? Who is there protecting a lamb from a lion or a wolf? A shepherd. So what's the implication Jesus saying? Hey, if you're going out as lambs amongst wolves, who's protecting you? It's Jesus. Jesus is there. And if you're hanging out with a non-Christian friend that doesn't want to chuck you in prison... Jesus is there. He is the shepherd. It's not in this passage, but Jesus said, hey, there's times where if you don't have the words to say, don't worry, because God's Holy Spirit will give you the words that you need. A part of going out is Jesus uses this image of a harvest. The harvest is plentiful. So many people out there that need to hear the message of the kingdom. People need to be out in the harvest. There's a problem. The workers are few. So will you be one who will go out into that harvest field? Are you prepared to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field? Several weeks ago, I spoke about the idea of hell and heaven. Now, in in this Jesus, he uh, really gets stuck into a whole bunch of towns. Yeah, woe to you, Sherrodes. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Woe to you, Capernaum. All these places, these are Jewish cities. And as the 72 are going out, they're preparing the way for Jesus to come. This is the way that Jesus is going to come. And so he's getting these towns ready. It's really, really harsh language. Jesus here, he's ta- he refers to these towns. I should say he compares these towns to some of the worst nations in the Old Testament Tyre and Sidon. These guys just had, they were just destroyed. If you read the prophet Ezekiel, he tears shreds off these nations. These were terrible, terrible places. Just saying it's going to be worse for them on that day than these really bad Old Testament towns. Part of preaching the kingdom recognizing that see, we we have this message of hope for people they don't hear that well jesus doesn't mince his words as much as we probably don't like to think about it this is the reality jesus come to preach the kingdom in order for people to be saved there's a lot at stake in doing this I was reading an email yesterday. Um, so I subscribed to Christianity Today, which is this—it's a Christian this publishing um, yeah, company in America. and had this article, and it was, it was called The State of Theology Statistics. Now, in America, I reckon only 50% of self identified evangelicals in this survey, so about 3,000 people. So 1,500 people in this survey reckon that Jesus isn't the only way to salvation. So I starting to see that there's this necessity to be able to preach the gospel. There's this necessity for people to know the truth because the reality is, as Christians, if you believe your Bible, if you believe what's written here, Jesus is the only way to salvation. But, but it shouldn't just be all doom and gloom, for there is hope. And Jesus says here, when you enter a town, this is really cool, he says, heal the sick who were there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So in there, bring in healing, bring in shalom, bring in restoration. Because that word, the kingdom of God, it's, it's near to you, it's nearly here. That means that God's rule and reign is almost upon us. All you have to do is just flick open the newspaper or open your smartphone app and you just see the devastation on this world. I was reading last night about children in Afghanistan and children as young as three or four working in kilns. Twelve hours a day, rain, hail or shine. And there's, this, there's these pictures of these little kitties, same age as my, my little Asher. They're covered in mud, just making bricks. Because these families have to produce a quota of a 1,000 bricks a day. And so because they're so poor, they have to get their whole family working into it. And that's just one example of some of the horrors in this world. And it makes, you, makes me cry out for justice. That's part of that prayer where Jesus has given us. Our Father, how hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's part, whenever Jesus says the kingdom is near, this is part. It's about God taking away the evil, the suffering, the injustice in people's lives. It's part of what we're preaching. Yeah, sure, we want to preach, we don't want people to go to hell. We want people to experience judgment. We want people to experience life in Jesus. But part of preaching, we're we're preaching about evil being removed. Or look at scenes in Russia. Look at scenes around the Middle East. There is this desperate need for the kingdom of God to be present. For Jesus' rule and reign to be him. If you want to be like St. Martin and cut the robe in half and offer hope and life to people, it does require prayer. It does require just being present. One of the prayers that I have, especially around here at the centre, is that God will lead me to a person of peace. And that's what Jesus said here. When you enter into a house, you say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there Your peace will rest on them. In mission circles, there's this expression called the person of peace. You find the person of peace. So you go out and you pray, Lord, lead me to the person of peace. A person of peace is a man or a woman. may not even be a Christian, but someone there who is open and receptive to the gospel message. Someone who if you become friends with them... Or if they become a Christian, will be instrumental in seeing a community transformed. So be praying for that, praying for people of peace. And you can probably think of someone that perhaps someone in your workplace, someone in golfing group, mothers group. That if that person became a Christian, or if I got to know them better, they would be instrumental and sharing the gospel of a whole bunch of different people. We're praying for that. We're praying for that person of peace. Cameron Butler, he is a sports chaplain. He was the former executive director of Sports Chaplaincy Australia. He said about Australians, like, people don't want religion They just want authentic chaplains. You don't have to be a super spiritual person to be a chaplain. You don't even have to be sporty to be a sports chaplain. You just have to have a heart. You just have to care for someone. You just have to listen to them. And That's what this Sunday is about. Sure, we'd love to see more sports chaplains here in the centre love to see people go, I'm going to join a team and intentionally use that as my mission field. Or come out here and get to just know the people that's come through these doors day after day. But recognise that different people here in different life circumstances. But whatever life stage you are in, you can all cut the robe and pass it to someone who is in need. Or perhaps if we're not even in a position... To cut the robe. Each of us have a mouth. Each of us has a mind. Each of us can pray and pray that simple prayer. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Each and every one of us has a role to play. And in our little survey here, it's easy to see that you can just think, Oh, well, I'm not a sports chaplain, I have nothing to do with it. If you're a player. You're a parent. You're a grandparent. Perhaps you can have a role in transforming our sporting community to find Jesus. Sport is a religion in Australia in many ways. I think of my extended family who spend their weekends playing sport, driving across Sydney, playing different soccer at different soccer venues. People love sport in Australia. And Jesus sent people into the harvest. When he sent the 72 out, he wasn't going to some super special location. He was just going to where the people were. In Australia, that is where people are. They gathered around sporting fields each and every weekend. So are you prepared to do that? Sports Chaplains in Australia have, have a little phrase. It is, get into the game. Are you prepared to get into the game? Because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And on that note, let me pray for us and pray for those in the harvest that the Lord of the harvest will send out workers into his harvest field. Let's pray together. Lord. You just read these words in Luke chapter 10. And you just see how, when you sent out the disciples, it was into a field, Lord, that was ripe. A harvest is plentiful. But we need workers in the harvest field. Lord, I just pray this morning as we've just reflected on the role of the Sports Chaplaincy Australia, on the role of the centre here, Lord, and how we can connect with the community using sport, using inflatable world. I just pray, Lord, that we can be people, Lord, that are willing to cut our cape in half. That we are people, Lord, who just aren't super spiritual, super knowledgeable Christians, Lord, but we just have a heart, a heart to see the kingdom come, a heart to see people, to be present with people. And Lord, I just pray that you can raise up workers to go into the harvest field. And so we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.